Amen. This evening, I want to look to the book of Jude. We're not going to take a specific text uh, right now, but uh, eventually we'll get there. So uh, you just hang with me for a little while. Uh, we're going to lay some groundwork for uh, a few minutes before we dive in. And uh, <clears throat> I was going to disclose that we were going to read every chapter or every uh, chapter in a specific book, but I wasn't going to disclose what the book was. But lucky for you all, it is the book of Jude. And there are only 25 verses. Um, so we're going to go through step by step here in a little bit and hopefully uh, find some relevance for you uh, for your daily life. Um, Jude's a book that we don't typically hear a lot from. Um, I don't know. I was thinking as I was getting ready, I, I couldn't recall a specific message that I had ever heard where the text was taken from the book of Jude. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not a good book. And that doesn't mean that there isn't good stuff uh, to learn from there. <clears throat> So anyway, uh, Jude was written at a time when the church was under severe political attack. Um, that sounds pretty familiar. Uh, there was aggressive infiltration on the part of some trying to weasel in their way uh, into the church of that day and trying to um, exert some control and change the course of history uh, in order to be an outcome that would be more preferable to them. Uh, and that sounds very familiar, does it not? Does that sound familiar to the day in which you live? Um, you know, it's, it's easy to say that this is a book from umpteen many uh, hundreds and thousands of years ago uh, and that it, it shouldn't be relevant, but the fact remains, I was reading the book of Jude and it didn't sound a whole lot different from what we were experiencing uh, today. So there's, there's definitely some great things that we can uh, glean from the, the Bible. Despite its age, it is still relevant for the day in which we live. Um, except for John, all of the apostles had passed away. Um, they had all uh, been martyred or lost their life in one way or another. And it was uh, in that time that Christianity really was vulnerable and was under attack um, and, and thought that perhaps it wasn't going to make it. And here in the midst of all this, we find the man Jude who stood up and decided that he was going to take a stand against what was going on. Uh, there were issues uh, in the church of that day, amen, of, of those that would come in and try to do uh, adversity, provide adversity for the church, amen. And, and Jude stands up and uh, takes a stand against that. Uh, we don't really know a whole lot about Jude. There is not very much recorded uh, in the Bible. We, we do know that he is most likely the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, and other than that, there really isn't a whole lot recorded about him. He didn't really have much to say either. Only 25 verses uh, were written uh, by him. It is the fourth shortest book of the Bible, but don't mistake, mistake the lack of length with the lack of impact. It is uh, the only book uh, that was written in the Bible that is devoted exclusively to confronting apostasy. Now, I know you've all been burning all week long wanting to know about apostasy. Can I get a witness in the house of God today? No hands. I'm shocked. Um, oh, there is hands. Look at there. It's Marlo. Thank you, Marlo. Um, there was a quote um, that we, uh, in one of the books that we had to read when we were in Bible college, and it said that nobody ever came to church to learn about the Hittites. Can I get a witness tonight? I've never one time came to church wanting to learn about the Hittites. Amen. So we're not going to do that tonight. I'm, I'm hoping to make this relevant, amen, for your life today. Really, Apostasy is not as complicated. I know it's an unfamiliar word and one that you have probably not heard before, but really all that it means is uh, it's a fancy technical theological word meaning to defect or to leave the faith or for someone to abandon uh, their relationship with God. So that's, that's pretty reasonable, right? We can all uh, probably digest that and understand what that means. Um, now, before I lose you, I know that this word is, is probably one that would desire to put you to sleep, but we don't want to do that tonight. Uh, so, so let me draw just a couple of examples for you to help us kind of get all on the same page. So if you had uh, a, an individual from the nation of North Korea, or if you had an individual from the nation of Iran or China, and uh, you heard a news article and, and the news article said that they defected, you would immediately understand what's going on, right? They, they wanted to leave their, their country of citizenship in favor of another country uh, where they could have a better life. So that's, that's pretty straightforward. We can understand that. And, and we would generally think that if somebody was wanting to defect from, let's say, North Korea, 
that, that, that we would consider that a good thing. We would consider that a positive thing for them. On the flip side, though, if we, if we heard of a U.S. citizen that was defecting to Iran or was defecting to China, then we probably would be taken a bit aback by that. That, that wouldn't really be a good thing. Um, so, so defection, it can, it can be a very serious matter or it can be something very benign like a consumer product. So how many, uh, show of hands, how many have used the same consumer product, whether that's cologne or uh, dish soap or laundry detergent? How many has used the same brand of laundry detergent or the same consumer product for more than five, 10 years? Anybody? Almost everybody in the room has used uh, a consumer product for longer than 10 years. Generally, if you find one you like, you want to stick with it, right? You, you don't really want to change. Sometimes they'll, they'll have a, a wise idea to change a formulation. Or I remember years ago when Domino's changed the flavor of their sauce, it ruined my whole life. It was never the same again after they did that. Um, so, or, or you consider, I, I don't know that it's such a big deal today, but, but back in the late 80s and early 90s, there was cola wars. People trying to... Uh, convert between Coke or Pepsi. Now, I have never bet anybody that, that reasonably switched between the two flavors and didn't have a strong opinion about the other one. Are there some Coke fans in the house tonight? You would only, that's, you would never ever touch Pepsi. Hogswill, you would never ever do that. And yet, Coke and Pepsi both spend millions of dollars every year in an effort to convert you to their brand. Every year they do that. Millions of dollars are spent every single year trying to get you to switch because nobody wants to give up market share to a competitor. They go to great lengths to make their brands memorable. How many have ever had a jingle stuck in your head? Yeah, that's good marketing. That's good marketing. Uh, now back in the day, if you were Pentecostal, uh, you had a monitor and if your monitor got stations, um, you might hear some of these jingles, okay? I'm gonna start the jingle, and I want you to finish the jingle, okay? The best part of waking up. <laughs> I was worried some people were not gonna be old enough, but I got a pretty good response. What about uh, if I say this one? Give me a break, give me a break. <laughs> That's good marketing. Kit Kat doesn't want you to switch over to some other brand. They want you to stay part of, of their, um, of their uh, family of, of chocolate eaters. Um, another one that I, I was going to say, uh, but I, I really can't sing it, but um, it's 800-588-2300. To this day, I have no idea what Empire sells or does, but I can call them at a moment's notice and have no trouble getting through to them. I have no idea what Empire does. Um, that's good marketing. They get it stuck in your head and they don't want you to switch to another brand. To another brand, that, that would be detrimental to them. Now in, in most cases, for, for most of these, I think the Empire one might be the newest one. These, these ads are 20 years old and a good portion of the people here tonight rattled off the rest of the jingle because somebody didn't want to lose you as a customer. Now, it's no different in the spirit realm. I know it's a little lighthearted, but it really is no different in the spirit realm. There are forces at work right now that are trying to get you to defect to the other side. Imagine with me, if a consumer product company would go to the lengths that they would go to and invest the amount of money that they invest in order to get you to come over as a customer. Imagine, amen, someone who suffered, bled and died in order to buy your salvation. Imagine with me the pain and agony that he endured for you. He went to extreme lengths to save you and he's not about to give you up to the competition tonight, amen. But we need to be wise Amen, as to the tactics of our enemy. Amen, are you thankful for what Jesus has done for us? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. About where you're going to spend eternity, so it matters 
amen, whose product you're consuming. It matters whose product you're ingesting. And you want to make sure that you know, amen, that if the product that you're consuming, amen, isn't toxic and isn't going to take you out. Is that all right tonight? Amen. In Jude's day, amen, it was not terribly different, amen, than the fields that we're facing with today. There were individuals that were premeditating, amen, ways in which they could take out Christians, ways in which they could get Christians to defect. Now, Jude doesn't really say exactly what the issue was of that day, amen, but, but there was a problem going on. Whatever it was, it didn't sit right with Jude, and he had to stand up and say something about it. Amen, and I'm here today, thousands of years later, with the same message. Amen, you have to watch out for false teachers. Amen, they're all around. They might not show up in the form of a long robe, amen, and look down their nose at you and, and have something very uh, uh, spiritual to say to you, but there are forces at work today, whether or not you realize or want to accept the fact, amen, that there, amen, are philosophies and, and things going on in the world today and they're trying their best to get you to convert, amen, to the opposite side. Amen. Don't assume that what, going on is, what, what is going on in pop culture can't have an effect on you. Don't, 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 fall, don't fall to that, that belief tonight. Amen. False teachers today, amen, may take on very different forms might show up in the form of, of racism and strife and trying to cause division between, amen, one race and another. Amen, but my Bible says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Another false teaching today Amen, amen, particularly in the month of June, is uh, everywhere, and it's an effort to reappropriate what love means. Can I say it that way? Amen, but my Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Amen, in another passage of scripture, it says, and we have known and believed the love of God, that the love that God hath for us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So that's the kind of love that I am I'm eager for, the kind of love that I'm looking for. And, and not just any old love is going to save me. It has to be the love of God. So, so we've highlighted a few things, uh, influences that we could experience uh, in our world today. Uh, efforts on the part of, of companies, whether or not they're doing the devil's work, I'm not sure, probably not. Nevertheless, uh, that, that is very likely the case on, on most instances. They're trying to normalize these things, normalize sin, normalize strife, uh, in order that they might take you out and they make it seem harmless, but it wars for the soul. It wars for the soul and we have to look out for it. Jude in his day countered these things head on. Head on, he was not afraid of them. And there are some great principles that I hope to uh, bring to us this evening uh, that will uh, help us along life's way. So if you would, I would invite you to turn to the book of Jude. If you have your Bible, amen, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to go through verse by verse, uh, just 25 verses, so don't worry. Amen, we'll get out here at a decent time. Uh, but some, some things that I want you to realize as I was thinking uh, and preparing for this that... Uh, are qualities that Jude has. Jude was just an average person, albeit with a famous half-brother. Amen, not much is recorded about him. We don't really know a whole lot about who the man Jude was, what kind of pizza he liked, or, or what his favorite sports team was. We just have 25 verses and a handful of other ones throughout the New Testament that speak about Jude. Uh, it's important also to note that Jude is not an apostle. Um, and, and that is a nice designation, don't get me wrong, but really, if you think about it, the apostles were just average people. So in my mind, this means that Jude is even more average, if that's possible. Um, so again, not much different than for, for the kind of life that, that you and I have led. Jude really is not very memorable, okay? Like I mentioned, and I could be totally wrong, but I don't believe that I have ever heard a message in my 40-some years that are fully dedicated 
to the book of Jude. So, um, you know, we don't really know a lot about him. He was, he was just a very average, forgettable kind of a guy with, with one, uh, one book, one powerful book in the Bible. Now, despite being Jesus's half-brother, there really is no record recorded of Jude showing up at any of uh, Jesus's big events. There's no real record of Jude uh, and his interactions with Jesus, okay? We never see Jesus saying, Jude, hey, come over and help me do X, Y, and Z. Um, so, so one could speculate, I, I, I can't say this for certain, but one could reasonably speculate that Jude and Jesus maybe didn't have the greatest relationship. I don't know, I could be totally wrong, but it seems possible because there's no uh, interaction, there's no re- recording of that. And so to me, that means that... Um, Perhaps there was something there. Again, it could be totally wrong, but uh, it seems like it, it, it is possible. And lastly, scholars believe that Jude did not believe Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. So he went the whole life, okay? He knew um, if Jesus snored in his sleep, Jude would have known that. Um, if, if Jesus was a good guy when the crowd wasn't around, Jude would have known that. Okay, all these little things that, that Jesus would have, that Jude would have known about Jesus. And yet Jude could not make the decision for himself that Jesus was the Messiah until after he was resurrected. So, so my takeaway from all those things is you can come from the best family and you can still have doubts. You can be within you can you can know that Jesus had bad breath you can be that close to Jesus and still have doubts and at the end of it all you can still make it and you can still amen be saved in the end like Jude was okay so Jude was just a normal guy like us and uh and there is there's a lot that we can learn from Jude so we're going to begin Just like I mentioned, we're gonna go verse by verse, beginning at Jude 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. So that's important. Jude had connections. Jude was a sibling, a half-sibling of Jesus, amen, but he didn't flaunt it, okay? He's not saying I'm better than anybody else. He's not saying that I have connections that nobody else does, but he says that I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And brother James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, sanctified and preserved. I think that's very interesting. Uh, How many are thankful that you are sanctified? How many are thankful that you are preserved? Amen. This book has been sent to those that are already saved, okay? So we have to understand that. This is is to those, the church that was established at that day. And uh, I'm glad tonight that I am counted among that number. Hallelujah. Three, verse three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, of the common salvation, salvation. In other words, um, or let me, let me go on, excuse me. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort unto you to earnestly contend for the faith. So he wanted to write about salvation. That was the easier topic. That was the preferred, uh, you know, happy letter. Brother Jordan, that was the preferred happy letter that he wanted to hear about, right? He wanted to be lifted up. He wanted to say something uh, good and encouraging to the church in the day, uh, but, but his spirit just could not get away. And he says that we should earnestly contend for the faith. Amen. In other words, that means stand up for what's right. Have a backbone. Speak the truth in love. And, uh, and, and to understand and know that what we have is worth fighting for. Is that okay? Which was once, to, earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Meaning, uh, he took care of it. This was already taken care of. Salvation was already delivered. Contend for the faith, amen, that was already delivered to you, that you know about. Amen, you've been around a long time. You know these things. Don't forget about them. For there are certain men that crept in unawares, the Bible says. Now, to me... When I think of a creep, that generally is not a positive quality to have, right? We tell our kids all the time when they were little, we said, if you have to sneak or if you have to creep to do it, then chances are you shouldn't be doing it. 
Okay, and here are these ones, men, certain men, it says, that crept in unawares. These people are sneaky, they're ill-intentioned. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, or if we use modern terminology, we might say something like lewdness, or an unrestrained vice, right? Some kind of, of uh, pension that you would go for, things that you would lean toward that, that were not good. So, so this is living however you want, uh, arrogantly taking advantage of the grace of God and saying, I can do whatever I please because at the end of it all, God is gonna forgive me and it's gonna be okay. So that, 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 that's what he's talking about. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. So that's talking about the time that uh, Jesus delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He bothered to go in and clean house and get them free of the bondage of Egypt to take them into the promised land to have them begin murmuring and complaining and uh, such that uh, their, their tongues were filled with disbelief. They were filled with doubt and really uh, caused a lot of problems for them uh, in that they were uh, forced to wander for Uh, some 40 years uh, in the desert, in the wilderness, because they uh, did not have a right spirit about them. And the angels, verse six, and the angels which kept not their first estate. This is referring to the angels uh, in the book of Genesis that fell from heaven. So they left their first estate. They they left a good good deal, a good gig, a a good situation to be in, in favor of following Lucifer to fall out of uh, heaven. They made their foolish choice. Uh, They rejected authority. And uh, really, they would have been better off if they never would have left their original designation, amen, as a angel in heaven. Uh, And the angels which kept not their first today, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, uh, which means sexual lust, sexual perversion, and that runs the gamut uh, of everything that you could imagine. I will leave that up to you to um, explore further if you see fit. But he's talking about strange things, uh, doing stuff that you not, should not be doing. And he is a reference here uh, to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I would point out that uh, the saying fire and brimstone uh, begins and is the first reference when it is used as relation to how Sodom and Gomorrah has been destroyed. So that gives you an idea of what God thinks of it, okay? He would not do that unless he had really strong feelings about what was happening uh, in that city. And are going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse eight, likewise, also these filthy dreamers, that's kind of a uh, an interesting way to put things because oftentimes in the Bible, uh, you know, old men shall see visions, young men shall dream dreams, if I got that correct. Um, that's a positive thing, right? That's a, that's a vision of, of things to come, things of good things to come. But in this particular instance, <coughs> this is referring to uh, someone who is letting their mind run wild. It is referring to somebody who has really a confused state of mind and is having abnormal imaginations, delusions, or uh, even uh, sensual confusion. Does that sound familiar to the day in which we live? Okay, Jude is not so far removed from, (coughs) excuse me, the things that we are dealing with yet today in uh, the nation that we live. Filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about 
the body of Moses durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, the Bible says, meaning not a good thing is going to uh, befall these ones uh, that we're going to refer uh, to here momentarily. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Cain is the reference to a story in the Old, Bi- uh, in the Old Testament, rather, uh, not the Old Bible. <laughs> the way of Cain uh, is a story of rebellion. So they are going the way of rebellion. Uh, even today, we use the term Cain, and generally, if you're raising Cain, it is not a good thing, but it is good chicken. Um, so take that for whatever that's worth. Um, so that's where it comes from. It means rebellion. That's what, that's what they're going for. And ran greedily after the era of Balaam. Now, this is a reference to uh, a man in the Old Testament again, who for financial gain, okay, purely for money reasons, uh, compromised Israel, turned them over to idolatry and uh, immorality, and ultimately uh, was a catalyst to bring forth the judgment of God. Okay, so that's not generally a quality that I want to have associated with me. So these are the kind of uh, things that I need to uh, look out for and be mindful of. For reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Yet a third example from the Old Testament. Korah and 250 other leaders of Israel tried to impose their will on who would lead Israel during that day and time. Um, God had appointed Moses and Aaron and they didn't think that God made the right choice. So they were going to exert their influence and try to impose uh, their will on who would lead the nation of Israel uh, during that season in history. Verse 12, these are spots in your feasts of charity. Now, in another version, they called that a love feast, which really struck me very bizarre. Um, But actually, feast of charity means that it it was a a regular practice in the early church where they would gather together and have communion. They would gather together and have a common meal. So this is a, a social gathering, if you will, um, one that, that could also include communion uh, that would be shared by the early church. These are spots on your fe- in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. So they're only looking out for number one, these guys, when they're coming in. They're just, just concerned with themselves. They wanna feed themselves. They wanna get what they wanna get. They wanna satisfy uh, their needs. And, and that's the extent of, of, of what they wanna do. Another uh, statement here that is made, they are clouds without rain. So consider that for a minute. I mean, if it's a cloudy day, there's a promise of rain, but really there's no water that comes down from up above in order to water the earth, in order to bring life, okay? It only brings gloom. And ultimately, uh, a cloudy day is not gonna do nothing for drought. You need to have rain in order for that to be taken care of. So uh, these, are, these individuals are clouds and they are without rain, carried about of winds. Then this one, this one really stuck out to me and, and has bugged me actually for several months and, and was something that I don't want to have associated with me. We'll read it in the, the uh, King James, of course, but then I will bring the version from uh, or the, the way it's stated in the New King James, because I think it's just a, a little bit clearer. Trees whose fruit withered without fruit, twice dead, the Bible says, plucked up by the roots. So in the New King James Version, this says, late autumn trees without fruit. Now that's the only time of the year, really, when trees are giving their fruit is in the fall harvest, right? You go to the apple orchard, you go to Iron's Fruit Farm, you get some glorious apple cider donuts. That's the time of year when there should be fruit. But these trees, they're not producing fruit. They have every potential, amen. They are there, they are the right kind of tree that should be producing fruit, but really nothing is coming from them. They are twice dead. 
meaning they have the ability, but they're never doing it. So, so what point do we have if we have the ability to bear fruit, but we never bear fruit that somebody can pluck it up in order that they may grow and might become, amen, convinced that God is real? What is the point of it? That would, that would be a case where we would not be fulfilling our purpose. Twice dead, the Bible says. I don't want that ever to be associated, amen, with my name, that uh, Ashley Dixon was twice dead, that he didn't do the things that he was designed to do. Rather, it would be better, the Bible says, that he be plucked up by the roots because he's not doing what was intended, what was designed for him to do. Verse 13, raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackest of darkness forever. Verse 14, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied saying, the Lord, behold, the Lord cometh. How many know that's right? How many know that's happening? How many want to be part of that number? Amen. They said it back then and it was true then. Amen, we'll say it today, and it's still true today. The Lord cometh, and frankly, I'm more convinced every day, amen, that the Lord is coming. And we have to be right. We just can't assume that everything that we ingest and consume is okay and isn't going to have some adverse effect on our soul. Just the other day, I was uh, looking at a news article. Apparently, in Sweden, it has become a very popular practice for, and I know that we've heard about this before, okay, I'm not saying anything new, but it's become very popular practice for individuals to have chips implanted in their hand. As the Bible said, it contains their identity, it contains the key to get in their house, it contains uh, their banking information. So there it is, just as the Bible said, thousands and thousands of years ago and here we see it coming to pass so the Lord cometh and uh, I want to be part of the number that he comes for amen hallelujah verse 15 he comes to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him Verse 16, these apostates, I mean, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's who we're talking about, right? These individuals that are, that are uh, out to have other people defect uh, away from the faith are murmurers, the Bible says, complainers, uh, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Amen. Swelling words means, uh, is Old English, uh, of course, that means to flatter or to tell people what they want to hear for your own personal gain. So, so that's what these people do. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. That's a really oddly phrased way of saying that they're trying to get what they want, saying whatever they have to say in order to get what they want. Verse uh, 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of who of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 18, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. So, so this whole uh, section of, of scripture that we've gone through, the first part, we had a little introduction to uh, Jude, we had a little introduction of the matter of who he wanted to, or what he wanted to talk about initially, but, but the Spirit just wouldn't let him go the easy route, and rather wanted him to cover something much more challenging and difficult, uh, as we've discussed. Then he went through some examples from the Old Testament. He gave you uh, a bunch of qualities that these individuals possess. Now, I didn't point those out at the time, Amen, but I have a handout, amen, when you leave tonight, the ushers are gonna help me at each of the doors to help you understand and to be able to pull out from this uh, big long list that we discussed the profile of what I call a defector or basically somebody who you should look out for. 
Okay, in verse four, we understood that they are ungodly, they are morally perverted, and they deny Christ. Verse eight says, they defile the flesh, they are rebellious, and they revile the holy angels. Verse 10 says, they are dreamers, okay, the kind of dreams where you uh, let your mind run wild and just uh, think about and uh, dwell on all manner of things that, that a person should not uh, be uh, letting their mind run to. They are ignorant, they are corrupted. Now, verse 16 uh, actually hits some points that kind of uh, hit home a little bit, and I regret to say that, but uh, chances are maybe they might uh, resonate a bit with you. So, so that's proof that these things are at work in the earth today. If I can see some of these things in myself, then I need to watch out, and I need to correct these things. Verse 16, amen, indicates that they are grumblers. They are fault finders. That one hits a little close to home. Uh, They are self-seeking and they are arrogant speakers. So these are the kind of things that, that we want to look out for, that we want to be mindful of because they war against the soul and they desire to take you out. And we have to watch out for these kind of things becoming uh, present uh, in our mind, wanting to, um, wanting to uh, take us out and uh, do harm to us. Amen, I'm coming to a close if the uh, musicians would like to come. So, so I've taken all this time and we've summarized the qualities of, of an apostate or what I'm calling a defector. And um, I, I don't wanna end on a bad note. I, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for the church tonight. If we uh, look on in verse 20, right? We've been faced with a big problem. This is a big problem. All these, you know, uh, 12 or so uh, qualities and people that we need to look out for. They're warring for us and they want to take us out and, and all these manner of bad things. But you'll be surprised to know that only a, a very few verses in comparison are relayed by Jude to us to help us get over these things. And that's good news for me because I can only remember a few things. And God is looking out for me. God has taken care of me and he has made a way of escape. Now, uh, these things we're gonna discuss in the last four verses, uh, these are ways in which we can deflect, okay? If I could give you the flip side of a defector, for us, we want to deflect, right, these advances, these advances. So a little play on words to hopefully help us remember. So uh, if you remember just a few years ago when uh, the war was raging in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, there was news all the time about how uh, military personnel were being killed because their, um, because their uh, vehicles that they were using in the military did not have adequate armoring. And so they out, re-outfitted all of them with, with more armor. And the way that they helped individuals sustain, uh, recover, and, and be okay from a blast or an IED, an improvised explosive device, was they implemented armor on these vehicles that would deflect the blast away from the vehicle, okay? So because they were defecting, deflecting the blast away from the vehicle where the people were, the people were able to survive much better than if the explosion had not been deflected, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so these are ways that that I can help deflect the attack of the enemy. When he comes in with me with ungodliness, when he comes at me with a rebellious spirit, when he comes at me and wants me to be corrupted and and let my mind dream about all these uh, perverse things and and grumble and fight and fall fine, when he comes in with all these things, amen, Jude gives us a prescription of how we can get through it and be better in the end than when we started. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, all right? So build up your holy faith. Don't have a rickety shack of faith, but build up your faith. Let your faith be strong. Be confident in the Lord your God. He is able to see you through whatever the enemy can throw our way. So build up your holy faith, amen.
pray in the Holy Ghost, it says. So just like you go wherever you need to go throughout life and uh, the Holy Ghost is there with you, likewise you can pray everywhere the Holy Ghost goes with you. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed to pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't be ashamed to pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed to pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the marketplace. Amen. At the hospital, on the job, whatever the case is, don't be ashamed to pray in the Holy Ghost. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Be tenderhearted. Amen. Allow yourself to be moved one more time by the love that Jesus has for you. Amen. Allow yourself to be moved again by his sacrifice and the way, amen, that he gave himself that you could be saved. Keep yourself, amen, keep yourself in the love of God. Look, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Look for mercy. Chances are, if you have the first three taken care of, if you build up your holy faith, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, if you keep the love of God, there's a pretty good chance that mercy is going to be a much easier thing to come by than if you didn't have those first three things in order. So keep them in order. Build up your holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Keep the love of God and look for mercy. Be eager. Anticipate mercy. God has freely given it to you. Extend it to someone else. Extend it to someone else. Verse 22, and of some have compassion. Have compassion. Mercy and compassion often go hand in hand, uh, but they are, you know, slightly different. Amen. Some may have fallen by the wayside. Some may have uh, become susceptible, susceptible to uh, this defecting spirit, amen, that wants to pull you away. But have compassion on them. God cares about them. God wants to bring them back. God wants to restore them. Have compassion, making a difference, the Bible said. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So we hate the things that the flesh does to us. I believe it was Paul that said that, that I have all these things that I want to do, but, but the flesh, amen, doesn't want me to do these things. And I'm in this perpetual state of fighting back and forth, of, of doing what I should do and what I don't want to do, I do, and, and so on and so forth, it goes. Amen, so, so you need mercy, you need compassion. Extend that to someone Amen. Who may have fallen prey to the attacks of the enemy and uh, be a good Christian, be a good witness, be a good example, and things will go good for you. Let's all stand tonight. Build up your holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Keep the love of God. Look for mercy and have compassion on those around you. And finally, amen, to top it all off, Jude offers praise. These are some of my most favorite uh, verses in the whole scripture. The Bible says this, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Are you thankful that he's able to keep you from falling? Hallelujah. And that's wonderful, but that's not even as good as it gets. And to present you faultless. Can you imagine that? That he is going to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is happy to come down. He is happy to do that, to make us faultless, to call us up, amen, into heavenly places with exceeding joy, Jude says. And finally, he says this, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen amen he has got everything he needs and his resources and his availability amen to take care of you you have got nothing to worry about amen both now and forever amen he's going to see you through he's going to take care of things
Amen. These altars are open this evening. Amen. If, if you're anything like me, chances are you have fallen by the wayside. Maybe not all the way, but perhaps you're leaning that way just a little bit. And tonight here in this place, amen, I've come to remind you, amen, of a way that you can come back, amen, build your faith, pray in the Holy Ghost, keep the love of God, look for mercy, and have compassion. Amen. Let's come tonight. Amen. And seek the Lord for a little bit. If you, if you would like, that would be great. Uh, it's easy to become burdened down with the things that life throws our way. It is easy to become burdened down with the affairs of this life. Things come in, they creep in unawares. Amen. But I've come to remind you that they're working, looking for you. They're seeking you. Amen. But there is a way of escape. Watch out. Amen. Be ready. Amen use these things, amen, as tools to keep you, amen, from harm. Amen. Can we seek him for a moment this evening? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise tonight. Lord Jesus, there are so many factors that we face every day. So many things that are out to destroy us. So many ways that are working against us. If, if we didn't have you, surely it would be so depressing that we could never, ever, amen, get over all of these things that were working against us. But we have you. And because we have you, everything is going to be okay. Because we have you, hallelujah, we can have the power that we need to overcome the attacks of the enemy. We have the power that we need, amen, to make it. We have everything that we need, and we find it all in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wait on him, church. He's here. He's here to encourage. He's here to guide and to keep. He's here. He's here. Hallelujah.
is convinced that if he makes it more complicated, if he throws more arrows, if he, if he causes more strife, that that's going to be the answer to him being victorious. But I'm thankful tonight that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I'm thankful that little is much when God is in it. Amen. Five, six little things compared to the 12 or 13. Amen. That the enemy might throw away less than half Amen, is needed in order for us to become victorious over those things. And I'm grateful for it. Are you thankful that God has made a way for you? I mean, are you thankful that tools are at your disposal? All you need to do is get in His Word. All you need to do is cry out to Him. Amen, and He'll have an answer for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. May God bless you. I pray that God be with you and protect you. Amen, as you go along your way this evening. Amen. And throughout the rest of the week, please remember family prayer on Saturday. And we will be thrilled to see you again uh, on Sunday. Amen. Lord willing. Amen. God bless you. Be safe tonight in Jesus' name.